I had one, you know, I almost died a few years back. And I, I spent a month in the hospital. Oof. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the company stepped up, took care of me. Yeah, I won't get into the details, but they stepped up and they could have said, well, you know what, you're, because that wasn't much use for about three months. I was in the hospital for a month, and even though I got out for two months after that, I was at the hospital three times a day getting the IVs, antibiotics, and, and they stuck around. You know, they, they, they took care of me. Welcome to the Restoration Playbook podcast by Know How. I'm Paul Silman, and the goal of this podcast is to give you an insight into how the restoration industry's most innovative companies are building a world-class workforce one step at a time. We interview the biggest names in restoration and explore in depth how they're building team culture, developing their employees, and strengthening loyalty all while increasing their revenue. In today's episode, we are chatting with Mike Mooney, General Manager at Disaster Response. I've met Mike and the DR crew a few times over the past few years, and the care and empathy they show towards their employees is unmatched. In a cold and calloused industry, Mike has story after story about how they've been able to care for the human behind the hammer and the impact it's having in their staff. With five locations and growing, Mike has had to think not only about how he personally can care for his staff, but how he can impact those core values in every level of the company. If you're looking to win with today's workforce, especially if you have a younger workforce, this is an episode you do not want to miss. We are going to hop into the action-packed episode with Mike, but first I want to tell you a little bit about KnowHow. KnowHow is a software tool for restoration companies who want to equip their staff with the information they need to succeed in their role. From tight, structured new employee onboarding to step-by-step -step guidance on how to use equipment in the field, KnowHow ensures your workers are doing things the right way every time. Plus, with over 600 restoration industry templates on everything from how to use a dehumidifier to how to set up your proper estimating guidelines, you don't ever have to start from scratch to begin equipping your team. In fact, for the listeners of this podcast, I created a comprehensive water mitigation estimating best practices process that we're going to give out to anybody for free, even if you're not a customer of KnowHow. Just head to tryknowhow.com slash podcast one to view it, print it, or send it to your team. That's tryknowhow.com slash podcast one. We'll also throw a link in the show notes. All right, with that, let's kick things off with Mike Mooney, General Manager at Disaster Response. Welcome, Mike, to the Restoration Playbook podcast. So diving right in, uh, what's the disaster response story and how long have you been on the team, Mike? Well, the disaster response story is uh, you know, Bo Value. He's the owner, CEO. He started it about 11, 12 years ago out of his garage. And, uh, you know, he worked it into a, out of a garage eventually into an office and then up in McCall, Idaho. And then, uh, you know, bought another office and we branched out to eventually to Boise, Fruitland. Um, I came up in the McCall or in the Lewiston. Uh, Lewis and Clarkson area back in 2017. And then last year we opened up an office in Post Falls. Gotcha. Okay. And, uh, you know, Mike, we had the pleasure of actually meeting down at the uh, core conference last year in Austin. And uh, 
one thing that came across to me is, you know, you had a great compassion for your employees, for the people you work with. And that's one thing we like to do in this podcast is really drive home, you know, how to build that, you know, team camaraderie, really build up that, you know, place where people want to come to work. How does that kind of play into your view and kind of how you and your employees work? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I want a place where people want to come work, work at, you know, it's, it's not getting any hard. It's not getting any easier finding people. Yeah. Everyone knows that it's getting hard to find good employees. And when you find a good employee, you want to keep them. Um, and, and I want the kind of work environment for the people that, that work for us that, that I would want to come work for us. You know, I, I want to work for a, an owner that cares for the, the people that work there. Um, I want to work for bosses that, that care about the people below them. Um, it just so happens that my style, I'm, I'm real mellow, laid back, don't get worked up too easy. Um, you know, it's business. Um, so I don't get too emotional about it. I mean, the things I do get emotional about, I guess, is someone's having a hard time in life. Um, I don't get too emotional, I guess, on the, uh, it's so much something up, you know, I don't get upset. I take that as an opportunity, the learning moment and a, and a teachable moment on how we can make sure that doesn't happen again. But, but most importantly, um, you know, I want my employees and the people in this company to know that we care about them. And, and, and the way you do that is you show it, you don't, you don't tell it to them. You can't put it up in a poster up on the wall. It's gotta be by actions. Yeah. You know, you can, you can put posters all day along core values and how much you care about your employees and fill you stuff up and, and show them it doesn't mean a whole lot. Exactly. And, you know, especially in restoration, there's some long hours, you know, you spend a lot of time with your staff and they do become, you know, whether you want to call them a family or whatnot, I mean, they basically are, you spend a lot of time and hours in the trenches. Uh, do you have any examples of any stories that you'd love to share on, you know, really connecting that, you know, empathy and growing that team? Um, you know, yeah, I have, I've had a couple. I mean, I had one, you know, I almost died a few years back. And I, I spent a month in the hospital. Oof. You know, and uh, yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the company stepped up, took care of me. Yeah, I won't get the details, but they stepped up and they could have said, well, you know what, you're, because that wasn't much use for about three months. I was in the hospital for a month. And even though I got out for two months after that, I was at the hospital three times a day getting the IVs, antibiotics, and, and they stuck around. You know, they, they, they took care of me and, um, that was in 2017. I only been with the company for about four months, about 45 months. Yeah. It wasn't like they'd been with the company for 10 years and they took care of me. Um, but I've got a few other situations like that too, where, you know, I had a, we've had two employees that I could just think off the top of my head in the last two years that they didn't have any coming upcoming vacation time, but one of them, they're wiping in for a brain surgery and he was as stressed out enough to do. And I was like, you know, you gotta go take care of your wife. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll, pay you, we'll pay you for the week. You just go, go to the hospital, support her. We got you for this week. Don't worry about money. You got them to worry about. We've we done that for two employees that didn't have occasions coming up um, for the last couple of years. That's, you know, that's absolutely good to do that for You know, it feels good to do that for people. Absolutely. And I mean, even you're 
you know, the instance you just brought up, you you haven't worked there 10 years. So, you know, when someone comes out and takes care of you or, you know, lends a hand in a situation that, you know, frankly, in the back of your mind, you're like, I don't know if they're going to do that. You know, it's it's I'm going through a lot in my own world, let alone someone actually come along and actually, you know, give that olive branch, really help drive that value. So with that in your back pocket, how does that affect your approach to your staff? You know, really, you know, for them to come along and actually help with, you know, your situation and then other situations you've had, how does that help grow, you know, you work with your staff? Um, You know, I, I don't know how it's helped me, but I just, I'm a pretty compassionate person. I really am. I have a hard time talking about helping these guys out without getting choked up. Um, but uh, I just kind of, you know, the book you guys wrote, uh, White Workers Quit, really, uh, it was a good, great book, by the way. I've read it. Um, I think anybody that's in this industry should read it. Um, anybody that's in any, any industry should read it, really. Um, yeah. But I subscribe to that wholeheartedly, you know, and I've read some other books recently, um, culture wins, um, galleries for, for leaders, um, think of leaders for leaders is a good book too, but, uh, it all focuses on, on culture. And to me, culture is king, you know, culture does win. Uh, like that book said, the title says that it doesn't matter what kind of game plan you have. It doesn't matter what kind of people you hire. Or, or what your plan of attack is or revision. If you don't have the right culture in your company, the plan is going to probably fail. Yeah. And that's, that's something that is, you know, really a lot of the lifeblood of what we're doing with this podcast is, you know, how do we give examples of growing that team? Cause everyone hears, Oh, you got to build a team. You got to have, you know, everyone wants to talk to us about the X's and the O's and, you know, this D and this air scrubber, this, that, and the other well, at the end of the day, if you don't have the people who are passionate and want to come work, it doesn't really matter. So it's how do you help build that? And, you know, restoration is one of those unique industries to where it's it's not always the funnest job. You know, there's a lot of days where I don't know if I necessarily want to go out and do that. But having that ability of having that strong team culture really can it, it just. I mean, I, the the you mentioned one key thing there in the book, Why Workers Quit. I th- I thought they followed me around for six months. Like, it was kind of scary to people in the industry. <laughs> you read it and you're like, man, this is kind of weird. But, you know, it's the truth. When you don't want to come to work, you don't feel supported. You don't have people you can lean on. It, it's hard to get up and go rip that laminate floor out of five bedrooms or go that cat three loss. So, you know, kudos to you guys. And I, I you know, I, I'm also curious how do you keep driving that, you know, human element? You know, is there anything you do or contests or is it just a matter of, you know, having that conversation with those employees that really help connect the human to your workforce? Well, it's a, it's a constant work. It's not something where it's not like a process where you build it, you implement it, you write, you, you roll it out and everyone does it. It's a constant thing and it has to be organic. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you just said, it, it's, it comes down to those conversations with your employees, knowing them, getting to know who they are, knowing them by their name. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't spend time in every office. Like, I'm not there every day. I, mean, I, I split my time between five offices. Some offices are farther away, and I'm in those offices even less than the ones that are closer to home base. Um, 
Sometimes it's just picking up the phone and calling the other manager of that office. Hey, how you doing today, man? You need anything from me? You know, anything you need, give me a call. Um, down to when you're at that office, rather than just walk by somebody, say hi to them, asking how their day is. You know, um, making people know that they're heard, making them feel heard, making them feel cared for, like they're part of a team. Absolutely. And now, you know, making people feel heard, that, that's a huge thing. Because in today's day and age, everyone wants to be heard. They want to have their opinion out there or just be heard if they need help. They're trying to grow. You know, I don't understand this. You know, is there anything that you can see in your team where giving that ability to be heard, giving that ability of having that is help people grow in your company? You know, where does that help you guys as far as growth and scale and, you know, building that human team that you guys have, you know, being able to talk to each other, leaning on someone. Have you seen any examples where people have really flourished with that? Yeah. I mean, one way of letting people know that they're hurt is including them in projects. Like if you need to write up a process, get those people below you that they have to perform those processes involved in writing that process. And in essence, they are being heard by, by the, by writing that up, that, that particular process. Uh, um, you know, we had a guy not too long ago that he was doing good as a mid guy. Um, you know, he was doing, he was doing real good as a mitigation technician, but we, he asked if he can be the facilities manager too. Uh, we had another guy stepping up in another position and then we assigned him to that and, you know, sit down and had him talk and, and listen to him and, and, and put that trust in him taking care of our, our facility and the fleet at that facility. Mm -hmm. And he seemed to really step it up in the last month and a half, even better than he was before. You know, he, we listened to him. He, he came to us, said he wanted to become that, you know, wanted to move into that position. And we put him in that position. So we felt that he came and said the right things to us and, and that he earned it. And, and yeah, it's turned out. That's great. awesome. Yeah. So, so it sounds like not only having that, you know, personal touch with someone, but almost that ownership principles, you know, letting people take ownership of their role and letting them be communicate, feel, you know, across your different offices. Is there any other examples you can think of where maybe that ownership mindset or, you know, helping that, you know, it's all team culture, you know, ownership, communication, any other examples that pop in your head where you see people excelling? Well, I mean, there's all kinds of examples. Um, I can't think of any in particular. Uh, you know, since I've taken this position over, uh, took it over January 23rd, we restructured the company. It went from having two regional managers, you know, one in the northern part of the state, one in the southern part of Idaho, um, running about 50 50 of the company. And we decided to move me as GM running all offices so we could. Uh, solidify all processes, you know, make them uniform throughout the company. Mm -hmm. Things we felt were, it was almost like two separate companies, you know? Um, so I'm kind of new with these other offices. I've only been with them for, for about six, seven weeks. Um, I'm learning a lot about them, um, but, but hopefully this role is going to allow us to be uniform throughout the entire company. And having done that in this position, we're putting more onto the, putting more trust and more responsibility onto the branch managers. Uh, before it used to be, hey, you have a regional manager that's running only a handful of offices that can give you a lot more attention. And now I can give an office less attention, but 
we've got very capable ranch managers. Absolutely. We've the right and, people. And the best thing to do is let them be branch managers. Absolutely. And, you know, you hit a, a big thing there is, you know, kind of, mendoc- you know, McDonaldizing, getting everybody on that same playbook, getting everything consistent across the board, but also letting your people do their job well. You know, you hire those people for a reason. Let them do it. Yeah. Yeah. Empowerment, not micromanaging, not that we were micromanaging before, but not micromanaging. Let, you know, really give them, here's what our desired result is. You let me know how you're going to get it done. Absolutely. No, that's, that's fantastic. So kind of bringing it in here, you know, with, uh, you know, what steps do you take at a leadership level to help keep that, you know, empathy going as far as growth in the different divisions, but what are some key values that you want to help drive across different locations? Cause I know now you're managing multiple areas, multiple locations. What are some of those key values that you really want to see regardless of what location you're in that they're kind of following? Key values. I mean, accountability is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, people need to be accountable. Uh, Accountability is probably number one. Um, you know, a strive for excellence. I don't think, you know, we don't expect perfection, but we do expect uh, a great effort and no matter what they're doing. Um, you know, being a, a team player, uh, you know, our, one of our core values is we are one. And it's something that we really believe in, you know. Um, it's not uncommon for us to take employees from one office and send them to another office to help out of that. If one office is a little bit slow and the other office is overwhelmed, you know, we're trading off employees and equipment and trucks and stuff all the time. Hey, it's just part of being a, a team player. Um, and I think, you know, some other values, uh, which call it. Yeah. Team values, you know, team values, I think, it really comes down with to, you know, excellent communication in a way that breeds consistency on expectations of what the what the employees expect from you. You know, I want to be able to know that I want an employee to know that what kind of conversation they can have to expect from me if they do have a conversation with me, no matter what the situation is. I don't want them to be afraid if they wreck the truck to come tell me because oh, Mike's going to blow the lid. No, I know they can hope they don't wreck a truck, but they can come and have a talk with me. We can have a discussion about it, figure out how it happened, what we can do to keep it from happening again. And, um, and conversations with anything should be like that. I feel should be respectful. Um, Absolutely. And you know, it's a two way road. You want people that are comfortable to talk to you, but also how do you grow? Well, you got to grow. Sometimes you got to make mistakes to grow. I'm the first one to admit it. Was I the world's greatest estimator when I started? No, I was phenomenal at ripping a house up. I had no idea what I was doing, putting it back together. Right. But that's how you have those conversations. You grow, you learn, you get those expectations and you kind of go from there. So, yeah. But um, no, this is awesome, Mike. I mean, Hell, I'd run through a brick wall for you. I mean, I've only met you a couple of times, but that's just kind of your, your that personality. You bring that to the table. And um, so kind of one of the big questions we always have before we leave people off is um, what advice would you give to other restoration leaders who are seeing this or seeing a high, you know, uh, 
turnover or, you know, looking to grow, looking to build that team, looking to really build that, um, you know, company culture, any advice or any steps that you would uh, advise them to take to get that started? Well, without knowing these particular offices, you know, these people in particular, but uh, I would say like, you know, one thing you do is like I said earlier, read that book, Why Workers Quit. Um, read the book, uh, Culture Wins. Um, if you, uh, you know, there's leadership classes out there. People, there's people that professionals that can teach you and train you to be a good leader. Um, you know, mentors out there, life coaches, whatever you, whatever you want to call them, whatever they fall under. Um, there's even consultation companies out there that are, you know, specific to this industry that can help groom you as a leader. Um, and it really comes down to, uh, what your core values are. You know, if you don't have good core values as an owner, you're probably going to not have good core values. You know, you're not going to find people with good core values that come work for you. You know, and it's something that we've been pushing more and more towards in our hiring process. Um, not so much looking for people with all the acronyms behind their name, you know, with all the qualifications, but looking for people that really fit our core values. You know, I could always, I can get somebody with the right attitude and the right core values that, that are in line with ours and train them and teach them whatever I need them to know. You know, it, it's hard to, when you get someone with all the, the certs and, if their if their if their core values aren't in line with yours or their attitude stinks, it's just not gonna it's not gonna be a good fit. Absolutely, and I, I tell that. Oh yeah, and I tell people that all the time. They say, you know, that it, we're struggling to hire people. Well, what are your core values? Do you have them written down for starters? And then if it's something you follow up by. Anybody can teach someone how to set up a dehumidifier, but getting someone out to follow core values, have values to live by, you know, there's people at 5 a.m. pouring some pretty good tasting coffee that are with a smile on their face, ready to go. I guarantee you they would probably do pretty well in your organization, but how do you get that information to them? How do you right. help build that? You know, building a great culture doesn't, isn't just about people getting along, you know, mm -hmm. it, it starts with onboarding. With a really good onboarding and impressing the hell out of them, you know, making them feel welcome, making them feel wanted. Um, and then, uh, you know, having those follow up meetings through the onboarding process in you know, our onboarding process, I think it's three months long here, you know, having follow up meetings. Um, like I said, are we making people feel wanted, you know, feel heard, um, having respectful conversations with them, clear, clear conversations laying out a pathway for their career, you know, uh, Hey, you gotta do this and this to get to this, to get to this level. And, you know, giving them a, a light as you know, the tunnel, you know, absolutely. Uh, so they don't just feel like they're the job collecting a paycheck. They got, they feel like there's a pathway to, to them stepping up throughout the company, you know, and, and it's really important to have a conversation with them and listen to them and find out what they want to do because they might not want to move up in the company. Maybe they just want to be a, a field tear, you know, over the next 10 years. You know, that I think that's a great point you just made there is, you know, not everybody wants to be the CEO. Not everybody's trying to be, you know, some people do just enjoy coming out. You know, there's a lot of satisfaction in being that first on-site responder as mitigation. You're saving the day. You're there on a, somebody's, a homeowner's worst possible day. But also having that conversation can help you align that, you know, maybe someone wants to be a project manager or 
you know, hey, I really enjoy working with you, Mike. I really want to grow my career. Maybe one day I can own a location. But if you don't have that conversation, it's easy to get lost into the shuffle. Next thing you know, it's, well, there's no career advancement, so I'm going to go find somewhere else even though it may have been there the whole time. So that's, I I think you hit a great point with the open communication there as well. Right. Well, Mike, this has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, Tell the people where they can find Disaster Response. Where can they find you guys online? Can they find us online? We go to Facebook at Disaster Response on Facebook. And then... I don't know the URL. (laughs) You're good. We'll end up putting it all down down in here as well. It's teamdr.com is, is the uh, is the the address. Oh, perfect. Teamdr.com. Don't take it to our main page. Awesome. Well, Mike, I really appreciate this. Um, you know, the, I think there's some great insight here, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing more from you guys. Cool. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Paul. Absolutely. There you have it. Thanks again to Mike Mooney with Disaster Response for sharing those incredible insights with our listeners. If you want to learn more about Disaster Response, you can head to teamdr.com. That's teamdr.com. As always, if you like this episode, please share with friends and give it a good rating wherever you get your podcast. And remember, you can get free access to my comprehensive water mitigation best practices checklist for free by heading to tryknowhow.com slash podcast one. We've also got some exciting new functionality coming to Know How this summer that I can't wait to share with you all. Tune in next time to hear how we're making it even easier to answer on-the-job questions with Know How without a phone call. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys soon.